Ah, the sound of a school corridor. What memories that brings back. You see, this winter is the 60th anniversary of a nine-year-old child's guard being dumped in front of Junior House at King Williams College and being told to get on with it as a boarder, even though my parents only lived in Douglas. Dad quite wisely said that he didn't want me spending hours every week sitting on a bus. But I was only nine and born in a Douglas boarding house. I knew absolutely nothing about Latin, rugby or many of the other things I was about to experience. I saw my parents for half a day once a month during term time. And yes, I was traumatised. For the first week in junior house I stood leaning against a wall looking at the floor, unable to speak to anyone. The smell of the food was awful and at breakfast I would be sick. I still remember the voice of a boy in that noisy dining room saying, Sir, guard's just been sick in his porridge. Matron came and took me away. You're homesick, aren't you? she said. She must have wondered what on earth parents were doing sending their children away like this. Anyway, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of this glorious start to my secondary education, I thought I'd pick up the courage to go back to college, relive some of the traumas, but also to see how it's changed over the past 60 years. Now, so this isn't a litany of misery, I was joined on my visit by someone who was actually a contemporary of mine all those years ago. In fairness, he's a few years younger than I and is certainly far less traumatised than I am about the years we spent there. In fact, he's carved out a hugely successful career in the finance sector and now runs his own business. He was one of the amazing crew that sailed Odin's Raven across the North Sea in 1979 and he's been on the board of King Williams College for 26 years and has just retired as chairman of the overall Board of Governors after 11 years. He is, of course, Nigel Wood. I met up with Nigel outside Junior House, which, I have to say, is now closed and looking very much the worse for wear. There has, apparently, been a trend away from sending nine-year-olds to boarding school, and so the future of the building is uncertain. Should it ever be demolished, I did offer to drive the digger. Now, I have to say that many boys thoroughly enjoyed their time at King Williams College. Maybe it was just that I was a wimp. What were Nigel's recollections of being in Junior House? My memories of Junior House, not entirely happy, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think you're a wimp, by the way. Um, I think it was a very robust and hard and harsh, at times, environment for, for young people. Um, I didn't get any choice in the matter. I was sent at 11, a little bit later than you. Um, and I guess when I rationalise it... Um, I suppose I think my parents were probably doing what they thought was the right thing in, in preparing me and seeking to prepare me for a robust life. That's certainly true. Um, but, you know, um, I, I love this school very much, but I didn't always enjoy every aspect of it. And Junior House was, was I think, a difficult time for many. And um, I far, far uh, preferred my time at senior school, um, uh, at 12 onwards. We're standing in front of the two bay windows, which were the two uh, studies for uh, the masters. As little boys, we were in short trousers with uh, grey socks up to the knees, and we had to wear these little maroon-coloured caps 
as we walked past these studies every day, every one of the 52 boys had to lift the cap. Even if there's nobody in it, we still had to do that. <laughs> Were you doing that? Absolutely, absolutely. I, just uh, crazy ridiculous. I mean, I can understand common courtesy to people opening doors, and that's very much still a fabric of the school. But lifting caps to empty studies, mm. I think, was a little bit much, and certainly something that, uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't support and found a bit ridiculous. In fact, if you think back to it, don't forget the sewn-up pockets as well, Charles. Yes, and, yeah. uh, don't forget the knee inspections and ear inspections, you know, to make sure that we'd wash them properly in the mornings um, I think this idea of lifting your cap I was forever lifting my cap you know to masters masters wives cleaners empty studies crazy crazy the right hand study has a particular memory for me there was one night we had shepherd's pie and actually it was quite good and the young guard had seven helpings it was I have to say pure greed and it all reappeared at about three o'clock in the morning over the dormitory floor as I threw the whole lot up and matron had to come in and mop it up and move me to another bed and stuff and that got me a number of black marks so on Saturday I was called into Mr Atwood's study and he said guard I'm going to have to beat you and he took the cane out of the cabinet and gave me a few whacks. Of course, all the boys in the common room could hear it, and there was a kind of round of applause when I walked back. And in those days, the first thing you did was go into the cubicle in the toilets to look at your bottom to see uh, what the bruises were like. Were you ever beaten? No, I wasn't beaten. But then again, I, I suppose I was quite fortunate because um, my father, who, who, who also came to King Williams College, said to me uh, when I came here, he said, no, I just like the army. He said, you can do what you like as long as you don't get caught. So I was probably a little cleverer, Charles. Thankfully, and, and hopefully as the programme progresses and our, our tour de l'horizon continues, um, I will be able to at least provide you a little insight uh, to, to reassure you and reassure your listeners uh, the, the days of Junior House and some of our experiences are so far from what now is a modern, liberal, outward-looking um, King Williams College as to beggar belief, frankly. And I'm very glad about that. Well, I would hope so. After 60 years, things, <laughs> things had to change. Indeed. If we just turn the other way and look towards the, the main buildings, we can see, of course, the rugby posts. Now, I have to say, being born in a boarding house on Douglas Prom, age nine, I had never even heard of rugby. And in junior house, we were put into our teams. There were curlews, otters and so on, wearing these rugby shorts and boots and thrown out onto the rugby pitch. No one ever explained the rules to me. I didn't know what a forward pass was. I kept doing it, but I didn't know why. And the whistle would blow and someone would say, oh, God's done another forward pass. I mean, sport, I was not sporty. You, on the other hand, I think did enjoy sport and of course famously you went on to be part of the Odin's Raven team in 1979 rowing that vessel from Norway to the Isle of Man. How, how did you react to the sport here? Well I love the sport here and uh, like you I mean I, I came from humble beginnings in that I lived in a, a flat above my mum's shop in Ramsey and uh, fought my way out of Albert Road School in Ramsey at 11 to be sent, no choice given, to be sent to King Williams. Uh, rugby was good fun because I could run around quickly and uh, I think in those days they didn't really teach you the laws of rugby Charles not the rules of rugby the laws of rugby and uh, basically uh, we had to sort of pick it up almost by sort of telepathy mm. um, but you know you learn as you go along and, and I did enjoy my sport here and and sport is still a very 
big part of the school going forward. And and certainly uh, from my standpoint, um, had I not come to King Williams, I don't think that I would have been introduced to sailing at 14 and 16. And I, I was able to do quite well at my sailing and that really was the introduction for me to uh, show uh, the selectors a skill uh, for the old Viking voyage in 79 moving on on somewhat so you know King Williams gave me um, a lot in that regard Uh, I I love team sports and I liked individual sports as well you mentioned something very telling there that they didn't bother to teach us the law of rugby and I felt throughout my career here actually that I really didn't understand what was going on. We'll come to my Latin lessons uh, in, in a few minutes, but if you, if you miss the beginning of something because you don't know why you're here or what you're doing, you're at a great disadvantage all the way through. It's the assumption somehow, or perhaps it's laziness on the teachers that they just can't be bothered to understand that a child of nine just doesn't know what's going on. How do you make sure that doesn't happen now? We are so far away from that now. Um, The children that come here are encouraged. uh, They're constantly looked after. I mean, the most important thing that we must do as a school is to safeguard the interests of the children. The other element that the school is very good at now is academia. Um, It is an academic school. It was always part and parcel of its um, mission and vision to be an academic school. Well, just picking up on that word caring for kids... I can't help thinking or recalling as we stand here looking at the wonderful expanse of grass and the first 15 rugby pitch here with the rugby posts still there. The day I was standing with many other boys in the pouring rain watching some match between our first 15 and another college and one of the boys was banged against the rugby post, which can be a very rough game, and was lying in agony on the floor and um, our housemaster, Dick Boynes, I still remember to this day exactly what he said, striding across with his green wellingtons and shouting, Leave him! Leave him! He's no use to us now! Carry on! And you think, my God, <laughs> hopefully you're a bit more humane nowadays. Well, you know, <laughs> Charles, I would say that, wouldn't I? But yes, of course. I mean, look, Dick was an iconic housemaster. And, uh, and actually, I found him a very um, interesting and amusing man. He taught me history for a period of time. He used to often refer to a smell of chap in the room. And uh, he would make us open all the windows, you know, uh, because clearly we hadn't chowed too much. But um, yeah, I mean, a very different. But, you know, what, what the school was very good at doing and is still good at doing Uh, was perhaps uh, drawing some positives from this, Charles, is that it would teach you to be resilient, you know, and it would teach you to be tough. But in this day and age, no, no, I mean, you know, look, health and safety, quite rightly, is all over us. Safeguarding is absolutely at the top of the pile and, and a caring, sharing, lovely environment for these children to grow up to. So, different from my day. Nigel and I walked from junior house up to the main school and we passed the swimming baths. I couldn't help but remember those summer terms 60 years ago when the bell rang in the morning to get us out of bed and the whole school had to traipse down to the baths and swim naked, all of us, before being allowed to go back to the dorms and get dressed for breakfast. I suppose it made men of us. Father used to say to me, your school days are the best days of your life. And I used to think, you mean it gets worse? You see, my father, who worked himself to the bone in the hotel to afford to send me to college, 
genuinely thought that a public school education would give me a much greater advantage in life than a state school one, and that attitude has been debated for many years. This is a real old chestnut, isn't it? You know, um, it's all about choice. Uh, King Williams is a very small school. The children that come here are privileged, is not in doubt. It is a big ask to opt out of the state sector education and go into private. And and, and I get that, my word. You know, I educated three of my own children here um, and it brought me to my knees financially. But I felt it was the right thing to do. I was not seeking elitism. I was seeking independence of thought, spirit and choice. And I think this is what it's all about. And I think that when you look at the other arguments, um, it's not everybody that necessarily wants to submit their children to a state education. Um, People feel that perhaps it's influenced by politics. It doesn't focus enough on the individual. My word, perhaps they don't have sufficient time to focus on the individual. But I would never cast aspersions towards the um, uh, state sector or the independent sector. I think they coexist very well, and I think they coexist better than ever. And I think the existence of independent education on the Isle of Man is absolutely key to our development as an independent nation. I think it's absolutely key to the uh, offering of what I believe is a liberal democracy uh, where people can choose. Um, And I don't necessarily agree that if you were sitting down next to a state educated child that you would be preferred. I don't agree with that. I suppose, now I look back, that some of the teaching left a great deal to be desired. Again, as a nine-year-old, I really had no idea what Latin was or why I was learning it. And the teaching methods, as I recall to Nigel, were less than helpful. And I remember Mr Basil Hartley, whose nickname was Ape on account of his somewhat simian features, he used to teach us, I say teach us, Latin. And I would be brought out in front of the class, he'd pull my hand, slap my face, left and right, saying a mo, a mass, a mat, as he slapped my face. Now that obviously worked, because I can remember that much. But it was the lack of context and the lack of understanding as to why I would need Latin. And indeed, when I look back, I came out of college here Um, in 1969, off to the Royal College of Music in London a few months later, no one had taught me how to write a cheque or run a bank account or change a tyre on the car or cook or do any of the things that I actually did need for life. Is that the same nowadays? Well, Charles, I'm sort of reeling a little bit from your uh, from your discourse there. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, this is a very different place. Um, we do still teach Latin. Latin is still available at the college um, and uh, is a voluntary subject. And I think, um, you know, Latin is a great is a great window on the ancient world. Um, it's a great way of understanding the ancient Romans, one of the finest civilizations in the world, and also it is such a route to other European languages. Well, I understand all that now, yeah. of course, and I am fascinated by history, and I understand how useful it is looking at other languages, but no one ever mentioned any of that. What a shame. Uh, what a shame. I'm sorry, Charles. It's, it's very, it's very politi- political to apologise, isn't it? I'm very sorry that uh, that was not a good experience. Look, I, I'm not holding <laughs> you to account for what happened 60 years ago. 
time to visit the Barovian Hall, named after the great Bishop Barrow, whose endowment in the 17th century eventually led to the establishment of the college. The hall, once the college chapel, is now the main dining area for the hundreds of pupils who need feeding every day. And some aspects haven't changed in the 60 years since I was there. The trestle tables are apparently still the same ones that were here 60 years ago. They've lasted very well. My memories of the food, I think, are varied. I do remember the battered cod on a Friday, which one used to drop onto one's knee, onto the floor, and then ram it under the footrests of these tables. And I think after we'd all gone, when they moved the tables, there were hundreds of pieces of cod there. What's here today, though, is just transformed. This looks like a very sophisticated buffet. I mean, a lot of thought goes into this now, a lot of preparation. It's much more flexible than it was. And I suppose when we were here in the sort of 60s and 70s, I would describe the food as perhaps quantity rather than quality. Um, and, you know, we used to eat together and it was a bit of a, 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 bit of a scrum, really. Um, but, but now it's, it's changed uh, again. Uh, we've got nutritionists involved, lots of carbohydrate, protein, vegetables, fruit. Um, you know, a great choice, hot meal, cold meal, lots of different things going on. So it's very exciting. We both had incidents, but in your time, I gather you actually went on strike. We did, Charles, yeah, and it was led by, um, led by one of the propositors, so a very senior guy to uh, us little chaps, and um, he, um, he sort of led uh, and organised a sit-in after supper. So, you know, rather than go back dutifully to sort of early evening prep, he decided to lead the sit-in, and uh, he said, we're not moving, sir until you guarantee us that the food will improve. We, we sort of pushed it on for about 10 minutes and then we did leave quietly. Um, but I don't know whether the food improved <laughs> or not. <laughs> I can vouch that the food is now superb, with a huge choice. But as the pupils are left to virtually eat what they want from the tempting array of dishes, will they get a balanced diet? I wasn't entirely sure they would when I spoke to them. Well, uh, we, we know a lot about nutrition, but we don't tend to follow it. Uh, we sort of just do what the heart pleases, if you know what I mean. And what have you had today? Uh, I have had sausages and mash. Pretty standard, but pretty delicious. And how many times would you have sausages and mash a week? Oh, whenever it's on, really. Uh, maybe about two or three times. And what are you having today? You've got sausages as well. Yeah, I'm having the same as him, but it's like the first time I've had it in like three months now. I'm usually eating either pasta or salads. Salads, well that's very good. And your plate is completely clean. What did you have? Uh, sausage and mash, same as them. Well, they know the theory, but whether they can resist the sausages three times a week is the challenge. Still, it's infinitely better than the white bread and marge that I had to put up with. Away from the bustle of the Barovian Hall, there was a chance to chat with some of the sixth form pupils to see what they thought of college education in the 21st century. No more canings, no more naked swimming, better food and better teaching. I started with Rory. What was his verdict? I think it um, is very good. It, is, it has allowed me to fulfil myself as a, as a student. To, I've, I've been stretched all the time. I've also been sat in my comfort zone sometimes, but I've always generally found places through self-motivation as well as the school to constantly stretch myself. And for me, that is a very good thing. 
Christina, when I left here in 1969, the one complaint I had was I couldn't write a cheque. I didn't know how to operate a bank account. No one had taught me how to cook. The life skills that I needed to go on to the College of Music in London the next year simply weren't there. Do you think that you've been taught those things? Um, well, nowadays we have lessons um, taken. It's kind of like out of timetable. It's called PSHE. Um, and I think especially over the past three years, um, we've learned how to do job applications, how to apply, you know, how to apply um, taxes. And it, I think it's really helpful. And I think it's really needed in this society as well. So, yeah, I do actually think they've done quite a good job doing that. Katerina, you're, you're from Germany. What's your impression of the Isle of Man? Well, I really like it because um, I'm coming from Cologne. And when I came here, the first thing I thought as well was like the air. It's really, it feels so much more fresh. And I really love the Isle of Man and total, like the sites. I love the school. I love the community. I love boarding. It's like a family. Um, I really love it here. And it just feels like home. Do you think what you've learned here is relevant? Because I was taught Latin without having any idea why. No one ever explained to me the context and the purpose of all this for life. Have you ever found that here? For me, who takes Latin, I'll take, <laughs> sorry, I'll, t- I'll take Latin, Latin as an example. I find it, it helps you get a base of the English language and it helps you understand each of those grammar, grammar points that we're not exactly taught in our English classes. Uh, particularly what I've found in the IB so far is that it gives you a more global perspective and it takes you not just from your average textbook and from your, and from your just sitting in an exam. It does teach you to think open-mindedly and to, and to have those other thoughts Presumably that's one of the attractions because your qualifications with the International Baccalaureate are recognised around the world, whereas O&A levels are perhaps more restricted. Sorry, I think it gives also more freedom for, like, you know, for example, like Katrina said, she isn't quite sure what she wants to do, whereas, um, and with the IB, she can study lots of different subjects and then really figure out when it comes to university what she wants to do, whereas with A levels, I think it's a lot more specialised and you, you sort of decide now right, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to be working towards. And I think it's really nice to have that freedom. So, generally, satisfaction. I don't want to give the impression that my time at college was entirely miserable. I did make lots of good friends and developed my interest in music and eventually created a ruse to get me out of playing rugby altogether. But, as I commented to Nigel, today's students at college are experiencing something that would have been unrecognisable 60 years ago. You know, absolutely, Charles. I mean, I would say that, wouldn't I? But, you know, one of the motivations that brought me to the board was to make change for the good and to respect traditions, um, uh, but to be modern, liberal, forward-thinking. And, you know, one of our straplines is an island education for a global future. That could never be more apposite than it is today. I think we must continue to look outside of this island if I had an observation as a Manxman I would say that perhaps we tend to be a little bit introverted sometimes but I think uh, this school and what it espouses and the ethos that it that it gives to the people who who come here is absolutely um, international in its approach all embracing the IB of course is at the core of that good teaching care excellence of education but a broader offering too not just about academic results opening doors for people shaking hands properly these little skills um, confidence the ability to 
get up and speak in public. All of these things are nurtured and supported and encouraged here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the part I've been able to play in it. And I know that my colleagues on the board will, will go forward to, to, to further and better strengths in the future. And uh, I, I hope that uh, with the things that we've been doing and the fact that Local people are now coming onto the campus, to the King's Theatre, of course, King's Court Theatre, getting involved in sport. It's a very, very different place to the town and gown school that we attended. Very open, very transparent, um, and, and literally back to the original vision, um, a, a blessing to the island and uh, a, a place of excellence that we can be proud of rather than resent. And I think that's very important. So, after my visit... Well, the sound of those school corridors still evoke uncomfortable memories for me. But it's clear from what I've seen and heard that the present generation of pupils are having a totally different experience of King William's College. And I wish them the best of luck. That special edition of Spotlight was produced and presented by Charles Gard. And to listen again, the programme will be shortly available as a podcast at manxradio.com.